1: Hello. Thanks for stopping by Liberty for Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. I always say this. I always say you guys are in for a treat, but you're in for a racy treat, I suspect. I suspect there's going to be language in this one. Am I right, Erica? Maybe? Maybe, you know, get the kids out of the room. Get the kids out of the room. Get your headphones on. Don't say we didn't warn you. So in this season, we're talking about something I'm calling Generation Next, which is women who are leaving whatever they were doing before to figure out what's next for them. And in this particular season, we're focusing on women over 40. And I really am just thrilled to be, I'm looking at her. I'm looking at Erica right now on Zoom, which is so fun. Can't wait for you guys to do the same, but I'm so excited to introduce you to her. If you've been hiding under a bush and don't know who she is, this is Erica Reitman. Erica, welcome.
0: Thank you so much. I really am excited to be here and chat with you today. It's good to have you. Why don't you just... Wait, I first,
1: I have to show you this. Look what I'm drinking.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have
1: mine too. Okay. If you don't follow Erica, you don't know that she drinks her coffee and all sorts of drinks out of a wine glass with a straw. So I put my coffee in a wine glass this morning. I just, love Just that. for this podcast. So tell us a little bit about your coaching business.
0: Okay. Well, I'm a business coach who works with other coaches, which I know is kind of meta, but I help them build their online businesses, I like to say, to empire status. And I tend to attract, another term I like to use is tell it like it is coaches. So people who tend to be like me and really have some strong opinions and are ready to kind of go out there and show themselves to the world and start breaking some rules.
1: If anybody pays attention, like for a day even on your social, you know that that is the absolute truth. And I can see why people just like that would be attracted to you because that is absolutely who you are. But you didn't start out as a coach. No. In fact, you and I know each other from the interior design world. So back up a little bit and tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so I was an interior designer before I became a coach, though that career was also a late one for me and it had kind of been a fantasy I had had my whole life, but I just thought was so crazy. It almost felt like saying, maybe I'll be an astronaut. Like that is how insane (laughs) it felt to me. But through a crazy set of circumstances, it actually worked out. And so when I moved from New York City to Los Angeles, it was a time in my life where I felt like this is a good time to make a change. And so I started my interior design career and I absolutely loved it. It was wonderful. It was like lots of dreams coming true, but I eventually started doing some mindset work with myself. And I think exploring a little bit and trying to understand how my brain works a little better. And because of that, and because of all of the changes that I was seeing in my own life, I got more and more curious about this mindset stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to dig as deeply as I could and eventually thought, you know what? I'm going to become a coach. Like, this is the next chapter for me. And the funny thing is now when I look back, 80% of what I was doing in my interior design career was coaching. I just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah.
1: In what way? Just walking people through, like, how to create a space, what they really want. Pulling that information out of them? It
0: was a lot of couples therapy, and it also was Mm -hmm. a lot of giving permission for people to do the shit that they wanted to do in the first place, but didn't feel like they could. That is the majority of my time as an interior designer.
1: Now, if I would have asked you back then, like, what's your favorite part of your interior design work, would you have been able to identify that piece of it? No, definitely not.
0: I just didn't oh. have the wherewithal back then to really even understand it. But now, looking back, I totally do.
1: And what is it specifically about the coaching work that you're drawn to? Like, what is it that you feel like, oh, my gosh, this is tapping into the best of Erica Brightman and helping people yeah.
0: in that way? yeah. Well, I just saw such dramatic changes in my own life, dealing with things that had literally stumped me for decades. And just by getting a better understanding of really how our brains work and how powerful we are in the outcome of our own lives, I had lived most of my life just feeling like things were happening to me and what could I do about it? which is, I think, the way most of us, at least of a certain age, feel. And so once I started experimenting with myself and, you know, really seeing changes come about quickly, it was so friggin' exciting and such a game changer for me in my life and the way I was enjoying myself and the dreams I had for myself that I just felt like I wanted to help other people do that too. And so...
1: And you pivoted in lots of ways. I mean, you left L.A. and moved to Mexico. So it was changing career. It was changing city. What was that about? Was it just, I need to shake things up a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think my husband and I were at a place where we just were feeling a little ho-hum about everything. We have a great house in L.A. and we had wonderful friends and there was nothing particularly wrong But we just felt like we don't have kids, so we have a lot of flexibility. Why not go have a fun adventure? And this town that we live in now, San Miguel de Allende, we had been to a couple of times and really fell in love with. And when we were here, we noticed there's lots of expats around. So we started talking with some people and we discovered that this town in particular, our expat population is 20%. So there's lots of us here. And it started to put that idea in our heads that maybe we could come here one day. And so the plan was we were coming for six months and then going back to L.A. And at some point during month one, my husband Greg and I looked at each other and both said, why don't we just stay here? Wow. And that was two and a half years ago.
1: It's been two and a half years? Yep. Because I remember when you said we're going out for six months. Oh my gosh. And was it during that time that you decided to make the shift from design to coaching? Yes. It's
0: difficult here. There really is no way here to make the same amount of money that I did in the States as an interior designer. And so I knew during the time that we were going to be here, I would have to focus on other things. And I decided to give the coaching thing a try. And of course, immediately fell in love and haven't gone back. And I was
1: asking you about what it is that you feel like is giving the best of you to others. And you talked a little bit in your sort of entry about discovering for yourself in the mindset work that like life didn't have to be happening to you. You could actually affect it. How is it or what is it that you feel like you really have to offer that's unique to you? There are other coaches. There are other people aside from your wildly fabulous personality and your coffees and wine glasses. What do you feel like that's my secret sauce?
0: Yeah, I have built my business by breaking all of the rules, not intentionally just to be an asshole and Mm. break the rules. But I just (laughs) throughout my entire life, I was always I remember being a kid in school and being put in a group of like five other kids, and everyone would have the same idea of how to do something. And I was always the weird one with my own idea. And when I was younger, that used to embarrass me. I remember very specifically that I learned to stop talking about my weird ideas because people just didn't get them. And so I sort of shut that part of my brain off for a Hmm. while, but I think the older I've gotten and the less fucks that I now give about mostly everything, I've come to a place where I now fully and deeply understand that I am successful right now because I decided to build a business my way, in a way that Mm. only is going to work for me. I am not following anyone else's formulas, though I tried to do that for quite a while. And allowing yourself to like fully have the permission to do that is something that I'm still doing, but I find the more I lean into it, the more fun I have, the more money I make, the more I'm able to easily connect with the dream clients that I want to work with. And it's almost like I sit around sometimes like, how does this shit even work? Is this real? But it does.
1: I have to assume that that level of transparency is so refreshing for people and that's part of What they want is to just be connected to you in hopes that somehow this will rub off. Somehow the freedom she's given herself will be given to me.
0: Is that the case? Sometimes, yeah, for sure. I mean, I find that most often the people that I end up working with have had a little taste of this, maybe accidentally, or maybe they dipped their toe into the pool a little bit, and it was fun for them, but also scary So I think the idea of working with me often kind of gives them the permission to think a little bit more deeply about this stuff and jump off the cliff because I did it and it didn't seem to go so badly. So maybe they feel like they can do it then too.
1: Yeah. And they've already bought into the coaching concept because they themselves are coaches. Right. So you don't have that barrier to overcome. Right. You had said earlier that you fell into design. So this is really your third career
0: change. yes. What were you doing initially? I was a marketing director at various startups in New York City. And it's funny because I have really always loved marketing, but I didn't realize how much I loved it until I was doing it for myself. And I didn't have to go through 10 meetings and approvals and (laughs) PowerPoint presentations and all that crap to just get something done.
1: Which again, you're genius at. Your ability to take a single piece of content and make it make sense in like 10 ways is amazing. Whether it's what you're, no, I'm being really serious, whether it exists on your feed or in your stories or you're sharing it with somebody else. It's amazing. It's such a lesson. It's a masterclass, I think, in in how to market yourself, especially for people who, and we'll get into this more in the second half of the interview, but- who don't know how to do that and often say, like I have nothing to post. I I don't really know what to say. And I am sending people to you constantly and saying, just go look and see what Erica's doing. You will think differently about the I have nothing to post sort of dilemma. Anyway, I could go on and on. And I point out that this is your third career, because I want people to hear that and embrace that and think, oh, my gosh, What I've learned, it's not until you're looking back that you can see the through line, like that you can say, oh, I actually always loved marketing. And oh, my design clients taught me how to be a coach, right? Right. It's not until you can look backwards that you can see that. So for people who are constantly saying, I don't know anything about that, like what business do I have doing X, Y, and Z? If you want to do it, then make it your business. I mean, if it's something that you feel passionate about, make it your business. Okay, when you decided to do the coaching thing, you obviously, part of it was because you were living in Mexico and you wanted to make money. Yeah. But when was it that it started to click and you're like, this is for sure my jam. I am in the
0: right place. Honestly, right away, I started my business. I actually had a coach at the time here in Mexico and we had been talking about this idea. And from the day I met her, she had been saying, you should be a coach. This is something that you should do. And so after one of our sessions one day, she said, this is what's happening this week. You're going to go home and by tomorrow, you're going to go on stories and make an offer. Come up with an offer and get your ass on stories and see what happens. Worst case scenario, nobody buys it. No big deal. So I did that and I sold out my 10 one-on-one coaching spots in a matter of days. It was really kind of insane. And so that alone definitely got me excited. And although I was definitely in the beginning, you know, finding my way and I didn't have as much experience, right from the get-go, it just felt like something that I was good at, which... We all like to be good at stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. One, just for the sake of our listener again, you had a following on your Instagram. But your ability, and I don't want people to be confused because that doesn't mean it was easy because then you had to convert those people from interior design followers to coaching followers. So there was something to overcome there, even though you had a following, right?
0: Yes, though at first I worked with interior designers because that was what I knew at the time. So I was working with interior designers to help them set up a business like I did because I fumbled around like nobody's business when I was doing it myself. And because of all of the lessons that I learned, I thought, let me work with interior designers.
1: When did you decide that you could expand beyond working with interior designers?
0: Probably six months or so in. I just started to have the feeling like I decided to step away from interior design. So is this the thing that I want in my life every day? And I think based on what I was seeing in terms of the power of coaching and the changes that people were making, I realized I wanted to kind of open things up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So good for people to be hearing, um, especially from you. You obviously figured out that this coaching thing was fulfilling a passion. You were like, okay, this is something that I am going to do. I'm going to make this my profession. What do you think it fulfilled that your work in New York as a marketer, your work as an interior designer didn't tap into or didn't fulfill?
0: I mean, for me, it's all connected to entrepreneurship and Mm. having the experience, which if you've worked in corporate America, I mean, unless you work for the best company on the planet, you just don't have freedom like you do when you are building your own business. I mean, literally, there was maybe one time in 10 years, me working in marketing, that like one of my ideas just immediately worked and it got done. And so... I, for me, absolutely love. Now, it took me about six months or so before I decided to work with coaches. I kind of just didn't have a niche for a while and thought, I don't need to do that. You know, I don't know. It's not for me. And then I finally figured out, again, I always love to kind of work with the people that I just figured something out in, in that realm. And so once I started doing that, the first month, literally, I doubled my income. So that's when I really started thinking, okay, this niche thing, <laughs> there's something yes. going on here. Yeah. I really do think it's a combination of, for me, it is so rewarding to see people take immediate action in their lives and then see a change. And I also love the ripple effect because I work with coaches. I have to remind myself sometimes that all of these people will then work with people. And it's just so incredible to think about work that I do with somebody then affecting so many other people in a positive way. So that makes me really happy too.
1: You just said something that I think is such an important, I sort of had my own aha moment. You talked about working in corporate America versus now and the freedom you have. And as you know, I used to consult. I'm not consulting anymore. But when people talked about wanting freedom, they often meant freedom in my schedule. What you're talking about is freedom to put something out in the world, to affect change, to make your idea happen, to bring it to life. It's a completely different way of looking at what that term freedom means. Because to be clear, you're not sitting on your thumb all day. You're (laughs) right, I can tell, right? So, when you talk about freedom, you don't mean so you can shop, you mean, yeah, so you can have agency over your time, yeah, you know, in that way, but it's not because you're not working
0: for sure. And I will say that moving here to Mexico again, your brain likes to do what it's always been doing, even if that thing isn't great or desirable for you, it feels (laughs) comfortable, and so. I really do feel like in L.A., I was not even able to dream this big for myself. Not because like, I was sitting around just depressed all the time, just because I had not had the experience yet of feeling and understanding this type of freedom and creating it for myself. And for some reason, coming here to Mexico and taking a chance like that and being in a new place and This is such an incredibly gorgeous city. So I haven't also had that experience of living in a place for someone like me who loves design that is so beautiful and inspiring every day when you're going about your business and walking through the streets. And it just opened up my brain in a way that I never was able to do on my own before.
1: Yeah. And whether it's intentional or not in, in your coaching that paradigm shift for you becomes a paradigm shift for them, right? Because you're teaching out of that space. I love that. As so many have pivoted during this pandemic, we too have shifted to meet the needs of our growing community of female founders, we want to use this podcast conversation as a starting point for deeper dialogue and to connect you to the resources, tools, and tips shared within these interviews. Please join us on the Liberty Network to connect, collaborate, and keep talking. And a few other perks in the Liberty Network. Join our monthly virtual Mentor Monday meetups, create and share your profile with the whole community, and access a brain trust of entrepreneurial women all for free. To join the conversation, head to libertyforher.com that's L I B E R T Y F O R H E R . c o m and click on the bar at the top of the homepage that says, join the Liberty Network. Working in interior design, you were an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So you had made that break some time ago, but what has surprised you specifically about this entrepreneurial journey as a coach?
0: Oh my God. I don't think we have time (laughs) to talk about (laughs) it all.
1: Top two things that have surprised you.
0: I guess I am often surprised by the emotional roller coaster that you're often on as an entrepreneur, Mm. even as someone like me who has gone really deep with mindset stuff. There's just something about being the person that needs to make Every single solitary decision that wears on you a little bit. And I swear, some days I wake up, I come up with an idea, and I think, I'm going to be on Forbes magazine. This is it. This is going to happen. Done. Done. And then the next day, I might wake up and think, Are you crazy that you think people are going to buy this thing? Who are you? This makes no sense. Nobody's going to spend money on this. And it really is that. Kind of crazy roller coaster feel that I just hadn't experienced back in my corporate life because it just was a straight, flat, boring line <laughs> every yes. day.
1: I just want to say really quickly thank you for telling the
0: truth. Yeah,
1: it's shocking how many times. In any entrepreneurial story, I like to say that we're able to get to the truth on this podcast, but it's shocking to me how many times people will say, and then, you know, we opened blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how, but like all of a sudden we made millions. And it's like, please tell us, tell us about the journey, tell us about the lows and the highs, not just so you make yourself more human, but so we can see ourselves in that, so we can understand when we're having those. I'm going to be on Forbes days on Monday and then on Tuesday, like, who the hell do I think I am dreaming that big, that we're not alone. We're actually in really good company and it's not an indication of how successful you can be having those down days.
0: Absolutely not.
1: So thank you for telling that.
0: Of course. And if you can just plan on it, it doesn't make it... (laughs) You know, it it makes it a little easier. It doesn't take away the sting entirely, but it does make it a little easier.
1: I think I'm going to go into my day timer and just plan on it. I'm just going to put in like once a week, like shit day. Yeah. It's okay. Um, Who do I think I am? It's all right. Totally. So. Now that we have a little bit of context and we know what you're doing, I want to take this time. It's very hard to not have you on this podcast and not just want to pick your brain, which I hate that term, by the way, when people used to ask, like, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain? It was like these little birds feeding like, <laughs> right. on me. But in earnest, I think there's so much that you're doing. And as we're having this conversation with women who are over 40, who are launching something for the first time, trying to grow something in a space perhaps that they don't know much about, whether it's the industry or how to market it now with social media or whatever. You are somebody that has fully embraced, and you told the story of going on stories and selling out, but has fully embraced how to utilize social media, Instagram in particular. Did you have to convince yourself of like okay this is the medium that i'm going to like really connect with an audience sell through like or was it a natural place for you
0: it was a natural place for me because i signed up when i was an interior designer and there was a very big community a design community on instagram i had used twitter i think was kind of the first social network that i used And I was into that. And then Facebook came around and I never was so into Facebook, but I really resonated with Instagram. And I saw the power of it because I built my interior design business on Instagram, like from nothing. And so I was lucky in that I did have an example that it could be done. And I was able to kind of see like, okay, if you want to start over, no problem. You can do this again on Instagram. So I do love that platform in particular. I know these days there are lots and lots of options, but I have really loved mostly focusing myself in one spot and really going all in there.
1: And are you using Instagram the same way you you were using it for your interior design business? Or have you found, because now you've gone from something where show and tell is really important to now it's more informational that you're using it in a different way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always like to use all of the things available to me on Instagram. I mean, I remember when stories came out, I just immediately fell in love with stories. And that still is my favorite place on Instagram. I find that I am scrolling through people's feeds less And less. Yes. And as an interior designer, your feed was very, very important. And so, for sure, there has been a shift, but I think I'm way better at it now (laughs) because I've just been on there for longer. And, you know, I just know the power of it. So, I'm really leaning in as much as I possibly can.
1: Do you also feel like because you kind of know your voice that you know how to use it on stories? Like, And I'm sure it's being perfected along the way and you're changing it up just to keep from sheer boredom, right? Like there's fun ways you can utilize it. But do you feel like you kind of went into it with, I know who I am. I know what my point of view is.
0: Yeah. I mean, my parents always used to say, Erica just marches to the beat of her own drum. Like that was a thing. So I did always have this tendency. I absolutely love all of the conversations now around authenticity and vulnerability, but also Mm -hmm. I've been doing this shit for like 10 years already. So I am so happy that this is becoming more and more the norm This is just kind of who I am. So from the beginning, I really was showing up as myself and letting it all hang out and sharing as much as I can. And back in my interior design days, I really kind of stood out like a sore thumb. Like I had no problem sharing my resources, which a lot of other designers were not so crazy about. And I've always shared pieces of my life, things that, again, now people are talking about a little bit more, but I've talked about my depression and the fact that I take an antidepressant every day and I'm not trying to get off of it, and the fact that I don't want to have kids, and all of these things that were kind of going on in my life. I think I quickly realized, you know, because Instagram is so powerful in building a business, yes, but I also have to say, all of my best friends now came from Instagram. Mm. And so it was a place for me that I early on realized I wanted to go all in on connecting with my community and that Mm. was going to be my focus. And so that's, I don't know exactly when that started, but I've been doing it for a while.
1: I feel like you just gave permission to people, you know, again, we're talking about this over 40 crowd and we're talking to listeners in this over 40 crowd What you just talked about, whether they were doing it on social media or not is irrelevant. They were doing it in their own lives. They've come to a place where authenticity is important, where they don't really care what other people think, where they feel like, if I have nothing else, I have these people in my life. I have this way to be um, transparent and share what I know. And so if they can take that and put it on social media in a way that feels natural and authentic for them, yes. I, I feel like they've already done the hard work. And that's one of the, I think the cool things about launching anything at a later stage in life. You bring all that life wisdom into it. You don't really have to have specific expertise in that industry, right? Yeah, 100%. For you, what would you say like, cause everybody thinks they're being authentic right now, right? Yeah. And there's a curated authenticity like I just woke up like this and, you know, that kind of thing. When you say that, what's your advice to people like how should they draw out their own authenticity if they're intimidated to do such a thing whether it's in an email or on social media? Yeah.
0: Well, I always find with clients that when we talk about this, when we talk about authenticity or vulnerability, their mind immediately goes to their deepest, darkest, most painful secret in life. And you surely can talk about that. But I want to just remind everyone that you get to decide what you want to share and what you don't. You are in charge of that. And so anything that you're not really comfortable about talking about, or you haven't really worked through yet, or you just don't want to talk about, you don't have to. And so I always suggest that people, again, this idea of dipping your toe, try it with one thing. And when I say vulnerable, by the way, you could be talking about like, for example, I have never cooked in my life. And it's kind of sometimes embarrassing for me. Like I genuinely did not know how to turn on our oven for eight (laughs) months of living in the house. Your husband must
1: be a great cook.
0: I got to the point where like, I felt weird asking the owner because she's going to be like, what were you doing for the past (laughs) eight months? And I had to like FaceTime my brother in Los Angeles to try and figure it out. Stoves are a little different here just to like, I know most people are like, you just turn a knob. No, it's a little bit more complicated here. So That is something that's vulnerable for me to share. It's not my deepest, darkest secret, but it's a piece of me that gives you some insight into who I am and what my life has been like. So I just encourage people to just pick one thing that's not that big of a deal for you and share that and see how it goes and see how you feel.
1: That's an awesome tip.
0: Yeah, and if it feels good for you, you can then try something else, you know, bit by bit.
1: And do you do it by just showing up And talking on story because, you know, there's reels that where people are doing the dance where they're pointing to things. I I don't totally get that, but it's happening and it's happening more and more. Like for you, what is a good way if you're giving advice to someone, what's a good way to start? Is it just to show up and start talking in a story?
0: It is, though, again, it's going to require some experimentation if you are newer to this and you haven't done it yet. I just would encourage you to try different things. And really pay attention to what you like to do because that is super important. If I give you a formula of something to do right now and it just Mm. doesn't feel right for you, you're going to do it for a few days and then be like, oh, that annoying chick on the podcast told me to do this. (laughs) And I hate it. And now I just feel like a failure. Like that's not where I want you to go. But yeah, I put my face on camera all the time. That for me is a way to connect with people. It's fun for me, I think, because I like to use my sense of humor a lot. So my facial expressions and things like that sometimes come into play. But I think you just need to figure out a way that works for you and then do more of that.
1: Asking for a friend. How much of it should sort of be uh, curated? Like, I'm doing this because I'm trying to get this outcome. Like, when you talk to your coaching clients, and you're telling them to show up as them, there's some reason for it. There's some intention behind it, right?
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So social media has given us the opportunity to build our personal brand in a way that we have never had access to before. And so years and years ago, when you said brand, most people were just thinking of like a color palette and a logo. And now with social media, it is so much more than that. It is your voice. It is your point of view. It is your style. You're wearing cool glasses right now. I love cool glasses. That's something that people associate with me now. You're able to share your life and what's going on for you and your business in a way that we've never had access to. And so, you know, again, this all requires experimentation, but... There is a mix for me in terms of how I like to show up. I do definitely like to be intentional. And I have certain things on my calendar, like roundabout once a week, I like to, if I'm not in the middle of a launch, talk about how people can work with me and how they can buy something from me. I sometimes like to share my agenda so people see kind of what I'm doing during the day. So I've just found like little things. I actually call them my bits, almost like a comedian has bits that they test out in front of an audience. And when one works really well, it makes its way into the show. That's kind of what I do with my Instagram stories.
1: And I'm sure you're getting so much feedback. Like it's probably shocking to you what resonates with people sometimes like you just think this is a thing and they're like I love that. I love when you do that. And I do love your glasses by the way. I love seeing which ones you're going to be wearing. What's the difference since we're talking about the over 40 crowd when you're working with your clients between those that are under 40 and those that are over 40 ish. Like, you know, there's some really mature 35-year-olds and there's some really um immature 45-year-olds. So what what's the biggest difference that that you see between that those two groups
0: i mean it's what i've seen in myself and it really is this desire to kind of get over the people pleasing finally and mm-hmm. step up to the plate of living the life that you want to live mm-hmm. and not being afraid to do it and really trying to experience the world in a way that maybe you've tried here and there but you've never fully committed to. And I often find that, you know, when I, when I get to be a part of that and see that happening with other women, it is just so freaking epic and fun for me because I had the same experience myself. Like I just don't give a shit anymore. In fact, yeah. I try and repel people. Like that is something that I intentionally do. I am not for everyone and everyone is not for me. And because I am showing up authentically and sharing sometimes some unpopular opinions, the result is the women that come to me and want to work with me were basically like invented in a lab, Frankenstein style. (laughs) I love that. When you say repel, what
1: do you mean? Because it's not like you're setting out at the beginning of the day saying, I want people to not like me or to not follow me. It's more, I want the right people to come my way. So when do we know that our repelling is not inauthentic? When do we know that our repelling is to draw the right crowd, not just to be provocative?
0: I mean, some people do repel by being provocative, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For me, it has mostly been sharing strong points of view, sometimes about the coaching industry, sometimes about my political beliefs. It isn't me intentionally saying like, how can I piss people off today? Right. But that sometimes happens. And I mean, I know for myself, it's like we all, I think, especially as women of a certain age, we want everybody to like us. You know, mm-hmm. we want a people please. And I know for myself, like, do you like every single solitary person you meet? Like, that's just not <laughs> the way the world works. So- yeah. For me, this is all part of this idea of like personal branding and authenticity and just not having to like check boxes before I show up. Like, is this handled? Did I hide the mess behind me? Is my hair perfect? I have to remember not to say this because this person might think that I'm an asshole. Like, I don't want to check all those boxes anymore. And the result has been, I just have so much more fun creating content and showing up because I don't have to do any of that stuff.
1: I feel like what you're saying applies not just, I'm spending a lot of time on social media because it's something that you are genius at, but everything you're saying applies to our work in general. Sure, there's crap work that we have to do. There's administrative stuff that needs to get done. You talked at the front of the podcast about doing all the things as an entrepreneur and how exhausting it is and that emotional roller coaster. So we're not saying that it's all fun all the time. But what you are talking about in terms of the way you show up, I think applies to the work that we want to be doing, like just putting that out there. I want to be an interior designer. Let me start working in that space. I want to be a coach. Let me start working in that space. And then honing in on the specifics as you go, you know, sort of like dream first and the and the details will follow kind of thing, right? Does that take a lot of work with your coaching clients to get them to that place where they're comfortable with getting messy first? Because I imagine that's a crew that really wants to be buttoned up.
0: Yes. I mean, as a former perfectionist, I say this with a lot of love, but there are a lot of people who call themselves perfectionists, and they have a little bit of like pride in that. You know, they feel like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, things just need to be perfect. That's who I am. You know, that's what's required. And Mm -hmm. honestly, this is your dick brain giving you a really good excuse to not do shit in your life. And Mm -hmm. so that is something that I see a lot. I do tend to work with, like, go-getter sorts of women, and a lot of them are perfectionists. And I used to call myself that too. But I don't really think again, with much love, that you should be proud of being a perfectionist because it is holding you back in your life and in your business right now, whether you realize it or not.
1: Yeah. So many people are going to resonate with that. That alone was worth listening to the podcast, I think, for people. It gives them a lot of freedom. I'm not a perfectionist, so I don't know. I'm from the outside looking in. I have lots of other problems, Um, but that's not one of them. And I appreciate the pride thing too, because I think all of us can understand that. There's some source of that and it can even come out in laziness. Like it's really pride that's keeping us from, you know, or fear from making whatever mistake. When you talk about your POV, which we've been talking about, like how you're coming at it, how your brand has been developed, you talked about on social media, just trying things and playing with it. But how do you recommend we, on paper, start to identify what our own POV is? Like, what do I ask myself to better understand my brand as a personality?
0: Yeah. The first thing I would suggest is sit down or pull up Instagram and find the first five people that you follow the most that aren't like your sister or something like that. And try and see if you can pick up on any patterns there, because chances are the thing that you love about these other people is something that you can either relate to, or maybe you even want to work on that thing a little bit more yourself. So I think if you're feeling ridiculously stuck and you have no idea about how to start tackling this stuff... That's a good place to start cuz I'm guessing you're going to see some sort of a pattern there.
1: That's a good tip. I like that one. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done. Okay, question of the year. What is Clubhouse? <laughs> what is Clubhouse? I'm on it. Yeah. What is it? And I'm on it and I think you were the first person I followed. What is it? I don't I don't get it.
0: So, Clubhouse is a fairly new audio only platform. And so it's kind of like being at a conference. However, nobody can see you and you can't see anyone there. And so the way it's set up is there are different rooms that are created around a particular topic. You're able to join that room. And in most cases, you can raise your hand and ask a question. And they use the same terminology, like you can come up to the stage Or you can see what's going on right now by looking in your hallway. So it really kind of is that conference type of vibe. And there are, I think now, like 15 million people on there. It's invite only. So you have to know somebody that has an invite that um, can pass that along to you. And it's only for iPhones right now. So it's a smaller, even though 15 million people sounds like a lot, for a social media platform, it's still pretty small. And it's interesting. I went through some different stages of Clubhouse. Number one, I was confused AF. I didn't really know what was going on and I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Then stage two is I'm getting a little intrigued now. I'm starting to maybe see the power of this thing. Stage three was full-on addiction, spending hours and hours a day on Clubhouse. Stage four is burnout, which is where I am now. And I don't know how I'm going to end up. I definitely overdid it at first. I will say it is a great spot if you are an entrepreneur in particular. There is a lot going on there that could potentially be beneficial to your business. For me at this point, the biggest takeaways have been I have connected with people that for whatever reason were not in my orbit on Instagram and that I would not have run into otherwise. And so it has been really great for networking. And I actually did get one one one-on-one client from Clubhouse um though it's funny because I often speak in moderated business and Instagram type rooms and she found me in an expat room. So you just oh, How funny. Yeah, you just really never know. But it will be interesting to see what happens with the platform when things go back to normal a little bit with the whole pandemic. And they're, you know, not necessarily staying home for hours and hours a day. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen,
1: what's going to go on. So essentially, when you were spending hours and hours, so stage three, were you both being one of the speakers as well as attending other events and asking questions and sort of... Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I can imagine that would take hours and hours. How do you find which events to go to? Is it just a matter of you just have to sign up and then they alert you?
0: It's based on you do get to choose some interests, but it's mostly based on the people you follow. So oh, if see, you okay. are an ice skater and you follow a bunch of ice skaters, then rooms about ice skating are going to start popping up for you in your hallway. Okay. Okay. I've never well, seen a room about ice skating, but you know. I don't need to see a room without ice (laughs) cream. It's
1: okay. It's okay. Um, What do you want to say, Erica, to all the women that are listening, whether they're under 40 and going to make lots of mistakes along the way as an entrepreneur or over 40 and ready to embrace perhaps entrepreneurship for the first time?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would just say this is such a fun exercise, I think, for everyone to do. And I have all of my clients do it. If I could guarantee you that you are going to be wildly successful and make tons and tons of money, what would your life look like right now? Mm -hmm. And then go do that.
1: That's a good one. I think I know what mine is. I'm going to go write it down. I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. Before we let you go, we do what we call our fast five. So I'm just going to ask you these five questions and just answer what comes to mind. What's the number one trait you think an entrepreneur must possess? decisiveness. Mm. Ooh, we haven't heard that one. That's a good one. Um, And then an app, I'm going to say besides Instagram, an app that you use, it can be to organize your days. It can be to create content for Instagram,
0: anything that you use on a regular basis that you love right now. I mean, I'm pretty TikTok addicted aside from Instagram. Yeah, I don't post there really, but I spend a lot of time consuming on TikTok. That's my favorite app.
1: The uh, advice that you gave us about looking at our top five Instagram people that we follow, have you identified some people on TikTok that you're like, oh, I want to show up like
0: this on TikTok? Some. The amazing thing about TikTok is their algorithm is so freaking over the top sophisticated. It works in a way that the Instagram algorithm doesn't, that they are able to figure out what sort of content to serve you. And so you have a feed. It's called the For You page. And these are people that you're not following yet that TikTok thinks you might want to follow. And I I can't tell you how good this algorithm is. Like, they are spot on.
1: I didn't realize what it was called, but my daughter, my 17-year-old, she's on there. And her handle is Egyptian Cowgirl because I'm Egyptian and her dad's American. And she gets the most hilarious, like Middle Eastern teenagers growing up in America, like the funniest funny whether they're like mocking accents, which, you know, maybe not politically correct, but hilarious for somebody like me who grew up um, with a lot of that around them or like funny recipes that like have gone bad. I, I mean, it's like and I keep saying, are you following these people? And she's like, no, it's because of my handle. Yeah, it's not. So that's what it is.
0: I'm learning things too on TikTok. Like I first started learning about ADHD on TikTok and I was recently diagnosed with ADHD inattentive type. I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the lesson learned, get on TikTok, ladies. Okay. (laughs) And then As soon as you had a little bit of money to hire somebody in your coaching business, I'm going to isolate it. What did you hire somebody to do? What did you spend your money on? It could even be a a non-human thing.
0: Yeah. I hired a coach for myself. Um, I always really believe in investing. I expect people to invest in me. And so that is something that from the beginning of my business, even before I could officially afford it. I wanted to make sure I was doing.
1: Okay, I'm going to dig deeper, and we don't do this in the Fast Five, but because of
0: the work you're doing, why do you think we need a coach? I just think everyone could benefit from working with a coach, particularly if you are an entrepreneur, much like I kind of think everyone should be in therapy. (laughs) It's kind kind of the same thing. But again, as a solopreneur in particular – To have someone else to bounce ideas off of and check in with and be accountable to. For those that work in the online space, I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation with friends who don't quite understand what it is that you're doing. And I don't even really go into it anymore. I love these people and I know that they want to help But those are not people that I can lean on when it comes to building my business or running into a hiccup or growing or what my next chapter might be. And so for me, it's just been invaluable to always be investing in a coach and to have them also for me be an example of what's possible because that's motivated the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, I love that. Okay, so good. Okay, we have to talk about that when we get off this um, podcast. And then I always say this is the hardest question, red vines or Twizzlers.
0: Netta, I don't really like either one. What? I know. Okay. What if like
1: it's the only thing
0: that was offered
1: to you and you haven't eaten for a week?
0: Okay. I mean, I guess I would choose Twizzlers. Truth time, I've never even tried red vines. I don't know what I'm missing there, but I would just choose Twizzle. Okay. When are you in LA next? (laughs) Guess what we're
1: doing? We're getting red vines. Um, Okay. And then you know that this podcast is called Liberty for Her. You've known me for a while. It's all things Liberty. The brand and the idea is we want to liberate women's dreams, entrepreneurial dreams to be specific. And so I just have to ask you, what does it mean when you hear the word liberty? What does that mean to you?
0: I mean, I definitely think of freedom and, you know, for me doing the thing in my life that I always kind of dreamed about or thought about, but it just didn't seem like it was within my grasp. And I have to say now, reporting from the other side, yes, there was work that needed to be done, but it was way easier than I thought it would be. And I Mm. often see that with my clients too. We're so deep in our heads about doing the thing that we've been thinking about and dreaming about for so long that we're not even in touch with the fact that it really is a possibility for us. And so I just would tell people to try and think things through a little differently and don't think of this big dream of yours as something that's so inaccessible and hard to get because it's probably not.
1: Amen. Oh, my gosh. Drop the mic moment with (laughs) Erica Reitman. There's been like seven. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your wisdom. And I think the big takeaway is that we just need to lean into ourselves and give ourselves permission to try things, to fail at things, and that freedom is waiting for us on the other side. Thank you for this time.
0: Thank you. Uh, And I
1: want to come see you in Mexico
0: please do. We always have a spot for you here.
1: Pictures look amazing. They look amazing.
0: And Liberty
1: listeners, we will have all of Erica's handles and ways that you can work with her. Um, Actually, you don't work with non-coaching people. People are going to become coaches just to work with you. So we'll have all of Erica's details um, in the show notes. So hang on for that. And until next week, see you later. Bye. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.